Justice. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. Our opinion next turns to the problem of what the judicial role should be. This is Life of the Law. I'm Julia Barton. A while ago, we got a pitch from a reporter in Alabama named Ashley Cleek. She wanted to do a piece about the state's constitution. Oh, please, I thought. I know this is a podcast about the law, but state constitutions? That's not even a story. But Ashley said in Alabama, it is a story. Maybe the biggest story of them all. And she was right. Here's Ashley. Brenda Ivy grew up on a farm in North Alabama. Her grandparents raised hogs. Brenda ate lots of pork. She didn't have any problems with farming or pigs. But everything changed 16 years ago when a hog farm moved across the street from her. That's almost nine hogs for every one human. This isn't sweet old McDonald's farm. It's more like Animal Farm. Four legs good, two legs bad. And 8,000 hogs produce a lot of waste. The smell, Brenda says, was torture. It's indescribable. It's the worst odor that you could ever smell in your life. You put skunks... I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. You put skunks together, you put dead rats, you know, you put, what's the worst thing that you can smell? A hog. And the smell just got worse. Brenda's son stopped playing outside. They stopped inviting people over. Initially, she tried talking to the hog's owners about controlling the smell. That didn't work. So she went to the head of the county, the county commissioner, to see if there was a way to force the farmers to control the smell. And the officials weren't just pushing her aside. There is literally nothing they could do because of the Alabama Constitution. The Constitution centers power in the legislature, so the only way they could do something would be to pass an amendment. That's right. In order to do anything, even regulate where a hog farm can be in a tiny town, you have to pass an amendment to the state constitution. About the only way to change the Alabama Constitution has been to amend it and Alabamians have amended it, 885 times. The result is that it's not just the longest state constitution, it's the longest constitution in the world. So, I ordered it. Uh, The United States Constitution and the Constitution of Alabama, 1901. And this is what it sounds like. I think I broke my record. The Constitution is as thick as war and peace. The edition I got was 13 years old and missing almost 200 amendments. Even so, it still weighed in at three pounds. So how did it get so long and complicated? The story starts after the Civil War. 
The federal government has guaranteed the right to vote for all men, regardless of whether they are black, white, wealthy, or poor. At the time, Alabama was almost half black, and wealthy white landowners and businessmen worried they could lose control of the state. The state was also in deep debt. County and city governments had issued bonds for railroads and other construction projects. When the projects floundered, the whole state was left with the debt. So in 1901, politicians called a convention to draft a new constitution. Wayne Flint, a professor of history at Auburn University, explains. There's nothing about the uh, founding fathers of modern Alabama that was in any way representative of the population at the time. There were 155 delegates. Uh, there were uh, uh, very few farmers, and yet farmers constituted the overwhelming majority of the population of the state of Alabama. Uh, it was disproportionately uh, economically elite planters, uh, large landowners. Uh, there were no women, obviously. There were no blacks. The men kept notes of everything said during the convention. Flint reads what was said by John Knox, the president of the convention. And what is it that we want to do? Why it is within the limits imposed by the federal constitution to establish white supremacy in this state? Well, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't leave you much wiggle room. <laughs> the best way to ensure white supremacy was to make voting extremely difficult. The 1901 constitution outlines a poll tax, property, and literacy requirements in order to vote. And it worked. After the Constitution passed, voting numbers of African Americans and poor whites plummeted. They took care of the debt issue, too. Counties and cities lost the authority to issue bonds, increase taxes, or even zone land, like for a hog farm. But they went even farther. The state was forbidden from making internal improvements, meaning no building highways, bridges, or harbors. The, the anomaly in Alabama being a state that still to this day cannot build a road, cannot build a bridge, cannot build a waterway, uh, cannot build a railroad track or anything else at state expense, cannot advertise uh, for businesses, cannot promote industry, cannot float bond issues for purposes of uh, attracting new industry, unless there is a separate constitutional amendment that allows that. Uh, it's, it's the wildest thing. Uh, I mean, people look at it and they say, uh, how can this possibly be? Every time the state of Alabama wants to build something, they have to change the Constitution. And the amendment starts to pile up immediately. Amendment 1 allows the government to build and maintain roads and bridges. Amendment 12 adds harbors. Amendment 58, airports. But there are parts that haven't been changed, even with an amendment. Like the discrimination in the Constitution. Even though federal courts have ruled that segregation and discrimination based on race are unconstitutional, the Alabama Constitution still contains the racist language from 1901. For example, the education article still reads, Separate schools shall be provided for white and colored children, and no child of either race shall be permitted to attend a school of the other race. While another section banned interracial marriages. Other states like Indiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Maryland had similar articles in their constitutions. What's different about Alabama is that the language is still there. But look how embarrassing it is. Albert Brewer has been a politician in Alabama his whole adult life. He was in the legislature. He was governor. Now he teaches law at Cumberland Law School in Birmingham. Brewer says the language leaves a deep scar on the state. 
and hurts economic development. He says if he were another state, competing with Alabama for a contract to build, say, a new car plant, he'd tell the company's owner. Have you read their constitution? Do you realize what's in their constitution? And he says, well, it's been amended. The court threw out that provision or whatever. He goes, well, it shows their mindset. It's what they consider to be their fundamental law all of these years and everything. Are you going to take a chance with your billion-dollar plan on that? And, and it's amazing that we've gotten around it. But sometimes there is no way around the Constitution. When the county commissioner couldn't do anything, Brenda Ivey filed a case against the hog farms. The court ruled in favor of the farmers. After about six years of fighting the hog farms, Brenda says she stopped. She prayed about it, and eventually she learned to live with the smell. And counties all over the state have found a way to live with the Constitution by passing amendment after amendment. Amendment 34, Tax for Malaria Control in Limestone County. The governing body of Limestone County must levy and collect tax for use in the control of malaria. Amendment 351, Special Property Tax for Control of Mosquitoes, Rodents, and Other Vectors of Public Health. Amendment 492 promotes the catfish industry. The legislature may hereafter... Amendment 449 denounces the boll weevil. Notwithstanding any other provisions of this constitution, the legislature may hereafter... Amendment 497, prohibition of overgrowth of weeds and storage... Amendment 520, excavating human graves in Madison County. The Madison County Commission is hereby authorized with or without charge to provide for the... It's unwieldy. Imagine you make a terrible soup, but instead of throwing it out, you decide you can fix it by adding to it. More salt, some garlic, Tabasco, pepper. And then you make your family eat the soup for weeks. Alabama has been doing this for 113 years. Let's say Etowah County wants to prohibit bingo. First, the legislators from that county have to propose an amendment saying, bingo will be forbidden in Etowah County. Then the whole legislature votes. If it passes, the amendment goes to the voters. Then everyone across the state has to vote on whether the people of Etowah County should be allowed to play bingo. On the back of every ballot is a list of amendments specific to counties all over the state. And if that county is 300 miles away, it can be hard for voters to know the issues or care how or if they vote, even though how they vote can dramatically change life in that county. For example, back in 2004, the city of Trustville proposed an amendment that would allow them to raise property taxes to build more schools. The legislature passed the amendment, but when it came to a statewide vote, voters axed it. But some Alabamians argue this is the way government should be. That is representative democracy, and, and that's the way we've been doing it. That's Eunice Smith. She heads Alabama Eagle Forum, a conservative advocacy group in Birmingham. Smith argues that the process allows for all Alabamians to have a voice in how their state runs and to keep track of which counties are passing what laws. There ought to be some accountability beyond the county level. 
on some issues. And right now, voters can decide that. And they're deciding it by constitutional amendments. And it's not a bad thing at all. But it leads to a lot of amendments. And while several attempts have been made to scrap the whole Constitution, it's really hard to do. A majority of the legislature would have to pass a bill calling for a new constitutional convention. Then it would go to a statewide vote. That's never happened. Partly because many people worry a new constitution could be worse. Also, if you change the constitution, each article and amendment would likely be challenged in courts for years, maybe decades, and it'd be expensive. Currently, no one is publicly calling for a rewrite. Instead, a group has been appointed to review the Constitution, section by section, and recommend changes. Right now, the group is working on the education section, trying to remove the racist language. But historically, it's been difficult to rewrite. As recently as 2012 and 2004, voters rejected attempts to amend the wording. They were afraid that changing the wording could change taxes and how schools are funded. And this is what many claim has kept the Constitution from being changed. Taxes. The Constitution sets up the tax system, and taxes in Alabama are low. Property taxes is the second lowest in the nation. Farm and timberland is not taxed at market value. But John McMillan, Alabama's Commissioner of Agriculture and Industries, says it's not just farms and timber. No one wants taxes to be raised. When you start talking about doubling, for example, property taxes, homeowners are not going to be in in favor of that. Property owners across the state have voted time and again not to change the constitutional article on taxes. So the state goes section by section, rewording some parts of the Constitution, leaving others in place. The changes go to a statewide vote every two years. And so, Alabama waits. But whatever happened with Brenda Ivey and the hogs? It's been a year since the stink went away. The hog farms stopped production, but Brenda doesn't know if they'll come back. What she does know is that this was the first Christmas in 14 years with no hog smell. Legally, nothing changed. Brenda just outweighed the hogs. Alabama's constitution has been around for 113 years, and people in Alabama have learned to live with it, or at least to ignore it. And Professor Flynn says that's part of the problem. Most Alabamians, they can't draw the lines where they intersect to understand that the reason Alabama has so many problems is basically rooted in the 1901 constitution. But whether they understand that or not, or whether they care about the Constitution or not, Alabama voters can be sure that the next election will require them to weigh in on at least one amendment. For Life of the Law, I'm Ashley Cleek. That was reporter Ashley Cleek in Alabama. Good luck with that Constitution thing, you guys. Life of the Law is produced by me, Julia Barton, along with Caitlin Prest, Katie Barnett, Shannon Heffernan, Nancy Mullane, Elisa Roth, Jillian Weinberger, and Phil Wilt. 
Music by Kyle Kaplan, Matthew Dar, and Todd McDonald. Our web editor is Mary Atkins. Financial support comes from our listeners and the Open Society Foundations with special thanks to Thomas Hilbink. Thanks also to Making Contact, our fiscal sponsor. For more on this story and others on the law and the legal system, or to donate to Life of the Law, visit lifeofthelaw.org. Hi, I'm Amy Choi. And I'm Rebecca Lair. And we are the Mashup Americans. The Mashup Americans. <laughs> uh, think of us as your guide to the hyphen America world we live in. Are you first generation Korean American, married to a Colombian Mexican American, and making beige babies? Us too. Or do you speak three languages and eat Salvador and pupusas at Shabbat? Is Spanglish your best language? That's me. <laughs> uh, Spanglish is definitely your best language. Yeah, it was kind of a problem in graduate school. <laughs> eh, don't worry about it. We're, we're done with that. So we've got a new show here on the awesome Infinite Guest Network. You can go search for Mashup Americans in your favorite podcast app and check it out. We've got a great story about the mashup life of Donald Trump. Oh, and I just went to Margaret Cho's house to Netflix and chill. Kind of. <laughs> oh, my God. Vamos, let's do this. As we like to say, get to know yourself, America.